inspired a lot of people. If it's good enough for him, the Gita, then it's going to be good enough for us. So, uh, Bhagavad Gita we're doing. Um, uh, um, somebody asked, said to me, you know, the names are complicated. Don't get involved with the names. You don't need to know all the names. Yeah, we're covering it all quite thoroughly, to be honest with you, the way we're doing the Gita, uh, you wouldn't, you won't find it being done like this, but we're, we're doing it very thoroughly uh, and covering all aspects. So you just need to focus on the message itself. Yeah. The philosophy itself, when Krishna talks, just Focus on the, the philosophy rather than the background of what's going on. The only names probably you need to know are Arjuna from the good Pandava side and Krishna, the Supreme Being. Duryodhana from the Kaurava side, the bad side, and Sanjaya, the narrator to Didrashtra, the father of the Kauravas, observing the battle. That's all you need to know. Arjuna and Krishna from the Pandava side, Duryodhana from the Kaurava side, and Sanjaya and Yudhishthira. Does any, everyone know who they are? Yeah. So just focus on the message. Yeah. So Arjuna is emotional. We're on topic five of six of this chapter. Arjuna is emotional, lost the plot. He's telling Krishna why he can't, why he shouldn't fight. Krishna cannot talk to him in this state. Recording in progress. Krishna, Krishna only listens. He waits until Arjuna has calmed down, exhausted himself. So the message here is that when a person becomes emotional, when you're, all you married people, or you're going to get married, when your partner, any person you're dealing with, for that matter, work colleagues, siblings, children, when a person is in an emotional state, you cannot reason with them. You'd be wasting your breath. You'd be wasting your breath. Can everyone turn their microphone off, please? You'd be wasting your breath trying to talk to them. All you can do is just listen to them, like Krishna is doing, Arjuna. When they're finished, you ask them, do you want a glass of water? 
and you say, how can we solve this problem? One of you has to be pragmatic. Maybe we can do it this way. What do you think? I'm here to help you. That's the only way. See, if you also get emotional, then where will you both be? How dare you say that to me? Why did, I, why did you call me that name? I'm going to call you this name. Where Both of you are going to end up where? Nowhere. So for all the old class members, what is going on inside when a person becomes emotional? What's happening to Arjuna? What's happening to Arjuna? When you become emotional, what happens to you internally? You, you're, you can't see clearly, you're agitated. So. Agitated, why? Your emotions are running through you. You're not able to, the mind's kicking over, over time. Mind is taking over. The mind has taken over your personality. The intellect is not available. It's the mind that is full of emotions, that feels, that has likes and dislikes. It's the mind that behaves like a child. Therefore, when you're emotional, the intellect is not available. How can a person reason with a person where the intellect is not present? It's like talking to a child. And this is irrelevant of the age of the person. It doesn't matter what age the person is. That's why Krishna is just listening, waiting for Arjuna to finish. Hence, Krishna talks in chapter 2 when Arjuna has finished, exhausted himself. Any questions? Does everyone understand the difference, mind and intellect? The new, new people, if, you, if you're not sure, please, please clarify. Okay. Is that all clear, Nilam? So, any other questions before we start today's class? So this is the state of Arjuna. Hence, Krishna cannot uh, communicate with him at the moment. So, in this topic, Krishna gives all his excuses why he can't fight. Arjuna. Sorry, Arjuna. We'll start with verse 31. Nimitani Chapasyami Viparitani Keshava Nacha Shreyo Nupasyami Hatpasvajana Mahave Nimitani Chapasyami Viparitani Keshava Nacha Shreyo Nupasyami And I see adverse omens, O Keshava. I do not foresee any good in killing one's own kinsmen in battle. So this is Arjuna talking to Krishna. So for 13 years, Arjuna wanted to get his own back on Duryodhana. For 13 years. And now he's saying, 
I don't see any good in killing our own people. He's personalizing it. He doesn't see evil people on the Korova side. Instead, he sees his own people, family, friends, cousins. As we said previously, a warrior can't afford to do that. A soldier can't afford to do that. As a human being, we're meant to act. Action is a must, all of us. If you don't act, you deteriorate in life. And the Gita teaches us how to perform the perfect action in life. This is what the Gita teaches you. In that video Aruna Ben sent yesterday, Will Smith said, because of the Gita, he, he used it to become best actor. Teaches you how to put the right action. When you perform the perfect action, you don't need to worry about the result. The result will come automatically. Concentrate on the action, not the result. If you worry about the result, you can't put 100% into the action. You're cooking a meal. You're worried, how will it taste? How will it come out? Will everyone like the meal? Your mind is on that. You're forgetting to put the salt and the masala in there. How can the meal come out? If you concentrate perfectly, on the meal you're, you're preparing to the best of your ability, it has to come out perfect. When you perform the perfect fashion, you never need to be worried about the result. So we have to put in 100% in anything we do. And that's all we can do. Arjuna also starts to become superstition. I do not foresee any good in killing one's own kinsmen in battle. I see adverse omens, superstitious. There will be bad omens if I kill. Some of you who've been to the previous classes, there are four stages of evolution. Anyone remember? Four stages of evolution. You remember? I think we covered it in Fall of the Human Intellect. Four stages of evolution. Age of, age of, sorry, age of gazing. Earlier mankind, the Stone Age people, no intellect. All they, they didn't understand any laws. They just observe what's happening around them. Then people developed to the age of superstition. No intellect, all based on the mind. Friday the 13th, black cat crosses, something bad's going to happen. Meeting doesn't go well, you blame the black cat. I knew that was going to be a problem. Most people still believe in superstition a lot. Today's a bad day, we can't do auspicious ceremony today. Now all these things are superstitious. Then next is the age of scientific inquiry. This is where we are now. How does the world function? The gross intellect has developed. Newton discovered the law of gravity. Two molecules of hydrogen, one molecule of oxygen makes water. How is that possible? Science has developed so much. COVID vaccine developed so quickly. 
gross intellect. We're now able to understand how this world functions. And the fourth stage is the age of contemplation. Who created this gravity? Who, who, who made this law? Two molecules of hydrogen and one molecule of oxygen equals water. Who created us humans? What is the purpose of life? Who is God? This is what we're doing in these classes. So if you're asking these questions, this is the highest development of a human being at this moment in time. The age of contemplation. The subtle intellect has manifested. So the intellect is divided into two. Gross intellect functions in the world. You want to be the richest man or you want to be the most powerful man. You need a powerful gross intellect. Subtle intellect is able to contemplate beyond the world. Subtle intellect thinks of beyond the world. Who created this universe? Who created me? Who is God? So Arjuna is not thinking, he's believing in superstition. Any questions? Does everyone understand? Four stages. You observe, you think, you look back in history. Vaccine for bacteria, what, late 1800s? So, Louis Pasteur, late 1800s. So this is where scientific inquiry started from. So I've told her to talk loudly. What about individuals who are inquiring, but also have traits of superstition? So, for example, auspicious days that are regarded as being auspicious, and days where are not regarded as auspicious in doing things. For example, organizing a wedding or whatever. I mean, I you know, what if both of them are within you? Then what? Did everyone, could everyone understand, hear her now? Yes? Not your heads, otherwise I'll tell us, repeat. Okay, great. So that, that's where you are. You're at that stage where you're in between. You haven't reached that level where every day is the same. It's what you make of it. Yeah. Superstition is something people believe in when they don't have clarity of understanding, that cause and effect functions in this world. Cause and effect, it's, it's fine. Cause and effect is what functions in the world. You put the right action in, the right effect will happen, regardless of what day it is. No, I'm, I'm saying so, I'm not convinced that, I'm not convinced that that's why I've got, I'm in between. Because I'm not okay. convinced of yeah. the higher. Yeah. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Okay. You, you haven't reached that level where you have complete faith that cause and effect functions in this world and you surrender to the self. All you can do is act based on the scriptures 100%. Does that make sense to everyone? 
When you don't have the understanding, you believe in superstition. Ben, make sense? Any questions? This world, the universe functions meticulously, non superstition. It's, it's the mindset you've been brought up in, exactly. Yeah. You're brought up with those attitudes, that those thoughts. Hence, you find it difficult now to let go. That's all it is. But as you grow with knowledge, your it starts dropping away slowly. You have to put that effort in to understand. Somebody said to me, oh, I bought a new car. I went to get it blessed. But the car serves me well. Wouldn't it be better to bless the person driving the car? See, they feel that if you bless the car, nothing will happen to the car. But isn't it better to bless the person driving the car so he doesn't go into any accidents? See the difference? the thinking, the way that people think. And it's not their fault. We're not condemning them. This is the stage they are at. These are the four stages of development. First, oh, sorry, uh, Nilam. Is it Nilam? Yeah. In the following nine verses of the fifth topic, Arjuna tries to justify his false sense of viragya, renunciation. Arjuna addresses Krishna as Gesava. The epithet means he who has luxuriant hair, Gesa. Arjuna is caught up in an emotional stupor. He is concerned with his kinsmen rather than his, with his role as a leader in the battle. He tells Krishna that he cannot visualize any good arising from the slaughter of his kinsmen. He even takes refuge in a superstitious belief in adverse omens. This further undermines his sense of authority and responsibility as a leader. Superstition can victimize someone when his intellect does not function. Many believe, for example, that their business will fail if a black cat crosses their way. One falls a prey to such irrational beliefs not correlating effect to cause. The world is governed by the law of causation, which operates in all spheres of activity. It is comprised of the multifold laws of nature governing the world. The laws of nature are invaluable. They seem to bow in obeisance to some mysterious governor or controller. That controller is the supreme reality, Brahman or God. To ignore the law of causation and take up superstitious beliefs is to ignore the supreme, omnipotent reality. There you go. You believe in superstitious beliefs. You're ignoring the supreme, omnipotent reality. There's a governor up there looking after everything. You don't need to worry about it. It's my ignorance. It's your ignorance. Thank you. 
Any questions? Nakanse Vijayam Krishna Nacharajyam Sukanicha Kim no Rajena Govinda Kim Boge Jivite Nava Nakanse Vijayam Krishna Nacharajyam Sukanicha Kim no Rajena Govinda Kim Boge Jivite Nava I desire not victory, O Krishna, nor kingdom, nor pleasures. Of what avail is kingdom to us, O Govinda? Of what avail are enjoyments or life? This is Arjuna talking. He's talking nonsense, Arjuna. Saying, why are we doing this? What is the point? Why do we want this kingdom? What is enjoyment? Telling Krishna. Suddenly, like he has suddenly developed spiritually. He's understood everything about life. I'm renunciating everything. I don't need enjoyment. I don't need, let's go in a cave and meditate instead. He's, he's, he's received, reached that state of renunciation, given up everything for spiritual development. But the fact is, his vasanas is such that he has desires for name, fame, and wealth. He's just making excuses. He has vasanas for it. Every human is made up of the spirit, the Atman, God principle, plus vasanas. Vasanas are your makeup, your DNA, what makes you you. Each individual person has different nature. Even twins born, both have different nature. Why? Vasanas. Different vasanas. Vasanas becomes thoughts, which becomes desires, which becomes actions. He's there on the battlefield. Therefore, he has vasanas to fight. He's a warrior. He's been fighting all his life. From him suddenly now to say, what's the point of this Govinda? Another name for Krishna. Who wants this pleasure? Who wants this kingdom? Why, what's the point of enjoying life? A person is lazy, vasanas as such. A person is brilliant, bright, his vasanas as such. So Arjuna has these desires, but he can't think straight. He's making all the excuses so as not to fight. Krishna keeps quiet. Like we explained in the beginning of the class, Krishna just keeps quiet, lets him continue talking. When we don't want to do something, we're afraid, we're scared, we make excuses why we shouldn't do it in our minds. Maybe this will happen, that will happen. Why do we want to do this? We make all these negative excuses. That's what Arjuna is doing. doing the, you have to do the right thing. Right action. Niram. Krishna maintains his silence. Arjuna rebuts the silence, trying to convince Krishna that he does not desire victory, nor kingdom, nor the pleasures arising therefrom. He appeals to Krishna, 
Of what use will the kingdom or pleasures or even life be to us? Krishna does not interrupt this emotional outburst. He lets Arjuna exhaust himself. When emotions overwhelm a person, he is in no condition to listen, much less understand another's point of view. Krishna maintains perfect objectivity. He will not speak until Arjuna shows signs of being able to receive his words of wisdom. Arjuna was a Kshatriya, a true warrior. He's claimed many victories to his credit, conquered several kingdoms and brought great wealth to the Pandava capital. One of his common epithets was winner of wealth, the Nanjaya. Certainly not averse to the pleasures of the world, he was no recluse. On the contrary, he was ever full of life, action and desires. Such were his vasanas, meaning his inherent nature. A person's vasanas constitute his innate bent, attitude or urges, and thus determine his individualistic nature. They are the cumulative result of one's entire past actions. They do not change in a moment, but do so only slowly. In fact, one must put in considerable repeated effort to bring about any change in them. Therefore, it does not follow that Arjuna has no desire for victory, kingdom, or the pleasures of the world. Not that Arjuna is a hypocrite. His overwhelmingly strong emotional emotions have clouded his discriminating intellect. In his confused and confounded condition, he says many things which he really does not mean. Krishna understands Arjuna's state of mind perfectly and waits for his emotions to subside and his reason to clear. Thank you. Any questions? Any clarifications? The people who are new to this class, um, do you understand vasanas? Just uh, speak out or um, send a message or something. Um, it's important that we understand that. Yes. Vasanas. People who joined us for the Gita class and not had any other classes. Where do vasanas come from? Vasanas. So desires. Desires. Yeah. Vasanas turns into desires. Vasanas manifest as thoughts, manifest as desires, and then you act. As we said before, you go past a shop, bakery, ice cream shop. You have no desire for ice cream. It's freezing cold. But you stand there. There's a new flavor out. Suddenly that desire comes up. I want to try the ice cream. The desire wasn't there before, but the vasana is there for ice cream. And the fact that you were in front of that shop, that desire has manifested. The thought has come up. So this is how vasanas work. You don't know what vasanas you have. You don't know when they're going to manifest. This is the issue. And the stronger the vasana, the stronger the desire. And where do vasanas come from? Anybody? You all know it. Where do vasanas come from? When a child is born, certain tendencies, where have they come from, the vasanas? This is to help all the uh, people who have joined us for this class. The DNA? Class. DNA. Yeah. 
DNA, okay. Go further back. Where do they come from, vasanas? DNA is a medical term. 5,000 years ago, they needed, knew about vasanas the same as oh. Previous lives. Previous yeah. lives. Your vasanas comes from the previous life and the lives before that. When you die, whatever desires you have, which haven't been fulfilled, they're going to follow you to your next life. You want to play football. You're 75 years old. You're in a wheelchair. You have a desire to play football. You can't. But you have a strong desire. Next life. You'll be able to fulfill that. This is how. So that's why they say, be careful what, you, what thoughts you have. Be careful what you desire in life. You know, people on their deathbed, they're told to chant Om, Om, so that they can reach that state of moksha. But if they've done lots of many bad things in life, that's suddenly not going to disappear on their deathbed because they're chanting Om. Those desires, those actions will follow that person. Can't suddenly eradicate everything you've done throughout your life. So those vastness follow you to your next life. Any clarifications? Yeah, we're all clear on vastness. Of course, there's more to it, but just to cover the basics. Okay. 33. Yesamate kangshitam no rajyam bogahasukhanicha Ime Vastita Yudde Pranam Stiakpadana Nicha Yesamarte Kangsitam no Rajyam Bogahasukhanicha Ta Ime Vastita Yudde Pranam Stiakpadana Nicha those for whose sake we desire kingdom, enjoyments and pleasures, they stand here in battle, having renounced their lives and riches. Arjuna says, all these people that I care about are also fighting. If we all die, who will be left to enjoy the kingdom? This is unjust. What's the point? We're fighting to enjoy the kingdom with my friends, my cousins, my uncles. But if I'm going to kill them, what's the point? I really can't understand it. What's the point? Arjuna still thinking, taking things personally. He's forgotten the fact what Duryodhana has done to him. What he's done to his brothers. Draupadi, their wife, his whole family. The fact that Duryodhana has brought unrighteousness to the kingdom. No one likes him. He's selfish, greedy. He does not care about the people in the kingdom. There's looting, cheating. Laws are not kept. Arjuna is not fighting for himself. 
but to bring back law and order, righteousness to the kingdom. Arjuna is still talking from an emotional level. He cannot think clearly. You all get the idea, general idea. We're just going into his state of mind. Yeah? This is what chapter one is about. But we can relate to it. Any questions? Okay, so we chant verse 34 and then Nilam. Acharya Pitara Putra Stateva Chapita Mahaha Matulasvasura Putra Shyalaha Sambandinastata Acharya Pitara Putra Stateva Chapita Mahaha Matula Swasura Potra Shyalaha Sambandinastata Teachers, fathers, sons, and also grandfathers, maternal uncles, fathers in law, grandsons, brothers in law, and kinsmen. They're saying who's on the opposite side that he has to fight. He's just repeating himself. When you're emotional, you can't think clearly, as you said. Sometimes you go on and on about the same thing. You've all experienced it when you're dealing with someone who's emotional. They repeat themselves, keep going on about the same thing. They can't think clearly. Arjuna sees family, friends in the Parova army, rather than soldiers who are ready to kill him and his whole Pandava family. Very personal vision of the situation. These are my teachers, my father. He can't see the big picture of what needs to be done. How can he play his role as a soldier and fight a battle if he sees things in this way? No soldier can get, afford to get emotionally or personally involved. Otherwise, he can't fight. This is his state. Nilam. Arjuna agrees that the purpose of gaining victory is to enjoy the pleasures of the kingdom with his relatives and friends. But these dear ones for whom he fights have also assembled on the battlefield. They too are sacrificing their lives and their riches for the same cause. He therefore sees no purpose in plunging himself into battle. Who will be left to enjoy the victory? Arjuna still views the battle in terms of his relations and sharing the pleasures of victory with them. The theme of the war is forgotten. Only the resurrection of righteousness in a land torn by unrighteousness had motivated the war. It was an unavoidable confrontation between virtue and vice. They had made every effort to avoid a conflict. But in the face of Duryodhana's ruthless unyielding stand, war was inevitable. To bring in personal emotions and feelings now on the battlefield is to abort the course of righteous action. Arjuna is a victim of his own emotions. Here he attempts to justify his emotional stand and that he should withdraw from battle. Same theme. Any questions? Kevil? Clear? See, from chapter two, what happens? Well, actually from chapter three, 
what happens is Krishna explains to Arjuna and breaks it down so simply, perfect action. And when he tells us how to behave, how to act, our purpose in life, it is so meticulously done that we can apply it to our lives straight away. So simply done, but we have to wait till then. Right now we have to endure Arjuna's state of emotion until we get to Krishna telling us, telling him what he needs to do. And when, 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 he, when Krishna tells, talks to us and tells us how we need to act, it, it makes perfect sense to all of us. You can uh, apply it to your life immediately, in your relationships, everything. 35. These I do not wish to kill, though killed by them, O Madhusudana. Even for the sovereignty of the three worlds, how then for the earth? Madhusudana is another name for Krishna. There are many names for Krishna in, as we go along in the book. Um, it all depends on the, on the, con, uh, of the context. I don't want to kill them, Arjuna says. I don't care if I kill, get killed by them. See, now you, you reach a state where emotionally, when you're emotional, you reach a stage where nothing makes sense. And you just don't want to perform the action. Yeah? Because for him to say, I don't care if they kill me. I ain't fighting. I don't care if you gave me the sovereignty, meaning control over the whole universe. I still won't kill them. And you want me to kill them just for this kingdom? It ain't happening. Arjuna's saying, if you give me the whole universe, I'm not going to kill them. So then why should I kill them just for the Stinapur? He's lost it. He's completely lost it. He's lost in his emotion, cross all clarity of the situation. He cannot think clearly. See, most people in their life, when you get to understand this mind intellect, you're more observant of when you're dealing with people. Yeah, if you have that in your forefront, you're more observant. What is this person saying? Where is it coming from? Most people in their life act based on their emotions. See, kids until 10, you can't reason with them. They are based, every action they do is based on emotions. The intellect doesn't come into play until 11, 12, 13, when they start thinking, yes, I understand, mom. I see what you're saying, dad. Until then, it's just mind-led emotions. I don't like that. I don't care. I'm not eating this. So most people act based on emotions if they don't have a clear intellect. And if we don't understand that, then it's the reason why relationships have such short lifespan. 
because you're dealing people with emotion and you don't understand and you're trying to deal with them with intellect, clarity of thinking. And you're saying, why don't you understand? Because it's working from his emotional level. Husband, wife, parent, child, brother, sister. We're not saying there should not be emotions in a relationship. But the foundation of any relationship should be based on an intellectual understanding. Some sort of social responsibility. Some higher values in life. That's what relationships should be based on. And that's why there's so many high rates of divorces in Western worlds, because they're based on mine, me, selfishness, people acting from emotional level. You look at our parents and their parents, hardly any divorce. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but there's hardly any divorces. Why? Relationship was based on duty, higher values. We're able to withstand, understand, even though they were at the emotional level, they were based on values, even if they didn't have an intellect. But as we're going along, people are getting more and more emotional rather than intellectual. They forget their duty to their parents, to society. It's easy to say, I ain't doing it. Why should I do it? Arjuna's forgetting his duty, his higher values. Any questions? So we're philosophizing Arjuna state because there isn't much philosophy in this. We're philosophizing uh, his state so that it means something to us, so that you guys don't all get bored <laughs> with Arjuna state. So these nuggets of philosophy to help you to deal with life. Do you agree or disagree with what's been said? People act based more on emotions rather than clarity of thinking. Shashnavan, you're nodding your head. Anyone disagree? So if you understand this concept, you're able to relate to the person better. You're able to understand your partner better, your children better, your boss better your work colleagues better if you understand this concept. And then if you understand how they operate, then you know how to relate to them without any agitations or frictions occurring. So has a question. No, I'm, I'm saying, don't you think, oh, don't you think this chapter highlights actually a positive aspect whereby Arjuna's intention, he's forgotten his duty for yeah. sure, but his intention is not to harm anybody, um, which in any action that we perform that may be seen as being negative, mm -hmm. we could become emotional, but it's looking at our intention through that action, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So for example, we might have to do a negative deed or, or we may have to act negatively, but our intention was to always do something- Positive. Not positive, but not bad, not harm that person. But yeah. we, had, we had a duty of act, 
we had a duty to act. Yeah. Wait, hold that thought till, till the next couple of paragraphs. I mean, next couple of verses. Okay, any other questions? No? It's Emma. Emma, sorry. Yeah. Madhusudana is another name of Krishna. It literally means the slayer of demon Madhu. In verse 32, Arjuna claimed that he had no interest in winning the kingdom and enjoying the pleasures therefrom. In verses 33 and 34, he laments that he would not be able to share the profits of victory with his relatives and friends. Now, in this verse, he says that even the sovereignty of the three worlds cannot induce him to kill the Kauravas. These declarations reveal Arjuna's error in viewing the situation wholly from his personal point of view. The battle was not conceived and planned for Arjuna's personal reasons. It was directed to save the country from the atrocities of the Kaurava rule. Moreover, Arjuna had not actually attained the state of renunciation, which he claims. Neither had he risen above the desire for sovereignty, nor was he sacrificial enough to voluntarily die at the hands of the Kauravas, whom he dis despised. Arjuna's true nature, therefore, did not manifest in his statements. His emotions had completely clouded his rational thinking, rendering his words mere empty sounds. The three worlds mentioned in the verse could refer to heaven, earth, and hell. As popularly conceived, alternatively, the waking dream, the waking dream and deep sleep states of consciousness. Whatever the interpretation, Arjuna is trying to create the impression that he's, he is prepared to sacrifice much, much more than a mere earthly kingdom. Which is what we explained. Now, as I said, he said three worlds, but we're not going to go into the three worlds. Yeah, we just said the whole universe compared to Hastinapur, which covers it basically, what he means. Yeah. Any questions? Okay. Verse 36. What pleasure is there in slaying the sons of the Tristra, O Janadana? Sin alone will occur, accrue to us by killing these desperados. Janadana, another name for Krishna. That's why I said don't worry about the names. Yeah, it's just another name for Krishna. So, Arjuna is saying, Oh, Krishna, what pleasure will I get from killing these people? I'll only be committing sin. I won't kill them. But in the same sentence, he's saying, he's called the Kauravas desperados. 
And the meaning of desperados in our Hindu scriptures is a person who commits the following six crimes, which Hema will read. And the Kauravas have committed all the crimes. So Arjuna is telling Krishna, I won't fight these desperados who are bad people. Krishna doesn't care if he fights or not. Krishna never asked Arjuna to go to battle. It was Arjuna who went to Krishna for help in the first place. He basically wants Krishna's permission to withdraw from the battle. He wants Krishna to cut, yes, say, yes, you're right, Arjuna. Yeah, you're waste. Let's not, let's not do this. We're committing sin. He wants Krishna to agree. But Krishna doesn't say a word. He understands the state of Arjuna's mind. Like I said, he's just making his excuses still. Emma. Janardana is yet another name of Krishna. The word literally means protector of the people. By appealing in that name, Arjuna pleads to Krishna the case for his withdrawing from the battle. How can a protector recommend such destruction? He claims it would be sinful to slay the sons of Dhritarashtra. Lord Manu, the great ancestor and codifier of Hindu law, states in his famous code, an, attack, an attacking desperado must be killed without hesitation. No sin occurs to a slayer of a desperado. Vaishta, the celebrated Vedic sage and preceptor of the solar race of kings, defines desperados in his Smriti as criminals guilty of the following six forms of crime, setting fire to a house, administering poison, attempting to attack with a weapon in hand, robbing of wealth, dispossessing a rightful owner of his land and abducting a woman. The sons of Dhritarashtra, Duryodhana and his brothers had committed all these crimes. Yet Arjuna says that in killing them, they would accrue sin. If he really believed this, he would not have referred to the Kauravas as desperados. The expression shows both his bitterness towards Duryodhana and the Kauravas, as well as his built-up frustration. He tries to camouflage these inner feelings by justifying his inability to face the challenge before him. Any questions? So those six crimes, Kauravas, Duryodhana have committed all of them. And it's not a sin to kill a person who's committed those crimes. One crime. It's not a sin to, to kill that person who's committed one crime. Gauravas have committed all six crimes. So it's his duty to kill them. So this sin, what's he talking about sin? We're going to cover that in the next couple of verses, uh, which ends this topic. Verse 37. Tasmanarahavayam hantum Dhatarashtrans vabandavan Swajanam hi katam hatva Sukhina syamamadava Tasmanarahavayam hantum 
Dattarastransvabandavan Swajanam hi katham hatva Sukhinasyamamadava Therefore, it does not behove us to kill the sons of Vipristra, our relatives. But how can we be happy by killing our own kinsmen, O Madhava? Same thing. It's going on about the same thing. As we said, when a person's emotional, they'll repeat themselves all the time, not make sense. So in the last verse, Arjuna said, only sin will occur, occur if I kill. And in this verse, he concludes, we should not kill the sons of the Drishya, his Kaurava cousins, because sin will occur. His emotional state is clouding his judgment as to the role, his role in the battle. See, as he said in the previous, earlier in the class today, he wanted to kill Duryodhana for the last 13 years. And he wouldn't have been able to. He was king. Duryodhana was king. He can't. And, he was, and Arjuna and his brothers were sent to the forest. So he, there was no way he could kill them. But now there's a legitimate opportunity to not only kill him, but kill him as a service to mankind. To kill him to service to his kingdom. So what better opportunity he has? Something, a desire he's had for so long brewing in him and now he's got this opportunity and he'll be doing a, a great service to his people and now he's in this state as a Kshatriya it was his duty to do so he says how can I kill them and enjoy the kingdom it's not about enjoyment of the kingdom it's about removing righteousness in the kingdom and bringing back righteousness he can't get it in his head. Any questions? Commentary? Tasmat means therefore. It indicates a conclusion preceded by a series of pertinent facts and logical arguments. Arjuna now concludes that it is wrong to kill the sons of Drashtra but he has not based his arguments on logic and reason. He tries to reason, but his arguments lack depth or direction. His mind is overwhelmed by emotions. His intellect is in no condition to think. He arrives at a wrong conclusion. The word dasmat does not fit the actual context here. It is interesting to note that Krishna uses dasmat liberally throughout the Gita when drawing conclusions. But sound logic and clear reason always precedes his conclusions. He teaches systematically and scientifically. Intelligent conclusions follow immaculate statements. His logical presentation and conclusions provide a striking contrast to Arjuna's in this verse. Just once, one minute, Ravi. So you see what, what this uh, um, paragraph is saying. Krishna uses tasmat, meaning therefore, throughout the Gita, but it follows a scientific, clear conclusion to what his a statement he's made. Arjuna is not doing that. And he's using that word, therefore, I should not kill, when the statement he's made in the first place is not clear. And it doesn't make sense. 
Yeah, thank you, Chloe. An ignorant person with poor reasoning inevitably comes to an erroneous conclusion. Thereafter, he maintains a firm belief in it. How can knowledge be instilled into someone who firmly believes he knows everything and has nothing more to learn? Arjuna further argues that happiness cannot be gained by killing his own kinsmen. Once again, he dis he digresses from the main issue. He tries to make it an issue of his own joy or sorrow. When performance of his obligatory duty is the question at stake, Asastria's duty and responsibility is to fight. Questioning the imminent battle is not the role of Asastria. Faced with a righteous war, Arjuna could not have had a better opportunity to perform his obligatory duty, instead of plunging into righteous action in the present. He broods over the consequences of the future. So saying an ignorant person, he can't reason with an ignorant person. He thinks he already knows everything. How can you teach him anything? If, he's a, if his shutters are closed, there's no way you can tell him anything. We're teaching Vedanta Sunday morning, Bhagavad Gita. Oh, yes. I know the Bhagavad Gita. That's it. You can't go any further. He's already made his mind up, or she has made his mind up, that they know the Bhagavad Gita. How can you then go any further with that conversation? This is how it happens. So you can't reason with someone in that state. Any questions? Okay. Last two verses. Kulakshayakratam dosham mitradrohe chapatakam. Although these with intelligence, overwhelmed by greed, see no evil in the destruction of the family and sin in treachery to friends. Basically, what that means is Arjuna says the Kauravas, they're lost, they're intelligent people, he's saying to Krishna. Krishna. These Kauravas, they're intelligent people, but they've lost their capacity to think clearly because of their greed. They don't understand. And therefore, they can't see that what they're doing is wrong. He's making excuses. They're intelligent people, but their mind is clouded by greed. And they can't see what they're doing is bad. Therefore, they can't see what, what they're, they're doing is wrong. But me, I understand. I know that killing family is wrong, no matter what the reason. So why should I commit this great sin, Krishna? I know what's right and wrong. They don't. That's Sittle's question before. Because I understand. Why should I do the same thing what they're, what they're doing? Their minds are clouded. He doesn't understand his mind is clouded as well but he's making these excuses. 
last verse 39. Katam na neyamasma bihi papadasma nivartitam kulakshayakratam dosam prapasyad pirjanadana katam na neyamasma bihi Papadasmani vartitam Pulakshayakratam dosham Prapasyadpirjanadana. It's all full of psychology, chapter one. Yeah, it's all to do with psychology. Oh, Janadana, why should not we, who clearly see evil in the destruction of the family, Learn to turn away from this sin. He's saying to Krishna, Oh, Jan oh Janadana, why should not we, who clearly see evil in the destruction of the family, learn to turn away from this sin? Sin is not in the action, but in the reaction. Remember this in life. Sin is not in the action, but in the reaction. Does the action you perform, does it cause you mental agitations after you've done it? You say something bad angrily to your husband or your wife or your children. Later, you think, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. You're mentally agitated. Why did I do that? That's a sin for you. No action is good or bad. No action is good or bad. How can you explain that? No action is good or bad. You say, well, if I kill someone, that's a bad action. It's the intention that matters, not the action. It's the intention that matters and not the action. Example of being cruel to be kind. You hit a child who's about to run across the road. Someone will say, wow, how dare you hit that child? What was the intention? If the child ran across the road, it could be hurt, could get into an accident. So what was the intention? Terrorist. You know, the, um, on the which uh, borough market, a few years ago, those terrorists came and started killing those people. One of the guys killed one of the terrorists. Now, would you say that he he's also a terrorist because he killed someone? What was the intention? A person eats lamb. What's you see a baby lamb and you think, oh, how sweet. Person eats that. He enjoys it. What a lovely piece of meat. He does not commit sin. But a person understands that it's wrong to kill an animal and eat it. He commits sin. Action is the same. So it's in the reaction, not in the action. If your mind is agitated after the action, it's a sin for you. So Arjuna believes destruction, killing is sinful. So we should not commit this terrible action. He's right. But he needs to understand the intention. What is the bigger picture? Yes, he's killing, but what's the main, what's the intention? 
to bring righteousness back into the back into Hastinapur. Krishna does not say a word. He waits until Arjuna has exhausted himself and surrendered for help. He just observes, lets him carry on. Ravi. Arjuna argues that Duryodhana and others have lost their discrimination in their greed to acquire kingdom, wealth, and power. Consequently, they see no evil in destroying the family and no sin in their treachery to friends. Whereas Arjuna claims, we who clearly see evil in the destruction of family must abstain from this sin. In using the word assemble, Arjuna includes Krishna in what he declares a sinful act. Arjuna has no doubts about the declaration. His illogical conclusion seems very clear to him, as is often the case with people who have poor discrimination and a narrow vision of life. The ignorant are often the most adamant about their opinions. One can learn from Arjuna to particularly examine those aspects of life in particular of which one is most certain. The scene in the Mahabharata was about to explode into destruction and death. The war was inevitable. There was no way out. Arjuna's proposal to turn away from the impending battle was sheer escapism. He would be shirking his responsibility as a leader and great warrior. This amounts to cowardice. Life situations sometimes demand destruction for the attainment of constructive ends. In Shakespeare's language, one may be cruel only to be kind. Arjuna chooses the easy way out. He tries to justify his time by labeling it sinful to destroy his own family. Krishna understands Arjuna's conf confused state of mind. He remains a silent witness until Arjuna emerges from delusion and surrenders to him for guidance. Any questions? That's the last verse of this topic that we have covered. Kevin. Yeah, um, if we just go back to verse 36, we spoke about uh, desperados. Yep. Um, and it was mentioned over there, there's no sin that accrues if you kill a desperado. Um, I just wanted to understand. I'm assuming that means that the person who's doing the killing of a desperado, it would be that person's duty, right? So like a shatria, not like a farmer who goes and kills a desperado, right? That would probably not be, that would still be sinful, right? Because it's not that person's duty. It depends on the law of the country. In, the, in that law, in, in certain countries, uh, trespassing is could put signs up there saying trespassers will be shot, okay? Um, and if the law in that state or in that country allows you to do that, then he would be perfectly legal to do that. Yeah? So in this country, remember, there was a farmer who killed someone who, who came into his house, and there was a big trial, a big court case. And they said that he had no right to kill them, even though they were ready to kill him. 
This was about 10 years ago, this happened in, in England. So in this country, the law doesn't allow you to. But in different countries, the law may allow you to. But that's just purely like a legal issue, right? I'm, yes. From, from a spiritual having that guilt view. Yeah. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be different? Depends on his understanding. Depends on his, did he, was he agitated after he killed that person? Yeah. If he feels that any trespassers, I have the right to kill and I will kill them. I don't care. Then he doesn't sin. And the law allows him to do that. Why, is it, why would he be sinning? He's protecting. But if he feels I shouldn't kill, killing is bad. He's read the Gita. Krishna said killing is bad. Yeah. Spiritually, he's not, he, he, he has a, um, um, a, 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 a conscious where killing is bad for him. Then he's committing sin. He may kill that person in self-defense and be agitated for the next God knows how many years. I can't believe I killed a person, even though he did it for the right reason. I can't believe I killed someone. Will God ever forgive me? Isn't it? I mean, if you go by that reasoning, isn't it just easier in life to be ignorant than like what? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, it's just easier to get by if you be ignorant than to develop yourself spiritually because then you just have, you know, you just not pulled up any sin. You'll just be, live life as you please according to your rules, right? This is the biggest problem on spiritual development. <laughs> Once you go on the path, there's no turning back. <laughs> and you all started the path, so there's no turning back. It's too late for you to say now, it's better I be ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> you were ignorant in your last life, probably. This life, you have been rewarded. You have been promoted to spiritual knowledge. You can't say, I want to go become a caveman again. You with me? Yes. It pricks your conscience when you become spiritual, when you go on the spiritual path, because you're aware of everything you say, you think, you do, but this is for your own development. You're now moving forward. Mm -hmm in your life as a human being, you're fulfilling your purpose as a human being. How can you say it's better to be ignorant? Yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like Arjuna saying, it's better I be ignorant and not do my duty. <laughs> Same thing's happening. Mm -hmm. Is that okay, Joel? Yep, yep, thank you. Any other questions? Yeah. Agitations will occur when you're on the spiritual path because you're more aware of your actions, your thoughts, your desires. But remember, it, it leads to more happiness, more fulfillment of life. You're moving forward. Don't forget that. But if any, in anything, even to become rich or powerful, you need to put effort into it. Similar in the spiritual path, you need to put effort into it. Great, if there's no other questions. So um, I've realized in the Gita classes, when we do a topic, it's gonna go over one hour and it's normal to have one hour, 15 minutes for Gita classes. So this is what we will be doing from now on. It'll be 10.30, 11.45, the classes. Yeah, because um, there's a lot more to cover with the Gita classes.
Right. 